You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 21, are you there in your Bibles? Jeremiah 21, you're ready, you're fired up. How many of you are awake? Let me hear an amen. All right. How many of you would be more awake if you'd gotten a nap before church? That's what we needed, right? How many of you didn't have time for a nap, but a cup of coffee? That was all it took right there, right? Cup of coffee. How many of you drink coffee uh, any hour of the day? Let me see your hands. You're not limited to morning coffee only. All right, good. You put your hands down. Just wanted to identify the good Christians. Thank you so much for... How many of you can only drink it in the morning? That's your only time to drink coffee. All right. Okay. That's quite a few. And all right. How many of you are brave enough to admit that you don't even drink coffee? Wow. Wow. That is amazing right there. I don't know. I don't know if these people are normal. Uh, That's the way it ought to be. It's, It's like, how do you, how do you wake up in the morning? You know? Um, how do you stay awake during church? Oh, oh, some of you don't. Okay, that makes sense now. I'm just kidding. Jeremiah 21. Let's jump into the Bible study here. And uh, these two chapters, I don't think we'll get through both of them, but Jeremiah 21 and 22. There are some messages to some of the various kings of Judah. Now, Jeremiah preached for about 50 years. And so his his preaching, his ministry started in the reign of King Josiah. Remember King Josiah, he was a good king. And uh, Josiah and Jeremiah were about the same age, uh, probably even friends growing up and all of that. But Josiah was a good king. After Josiah, there was a king by the name of Jehoahaz. Another name for him in the Bible is Shalom. And we'll see him in a minute. He was king, are you ready for this? A long, long, long time. Um, He was a king for as long as we have been in quarantine. Three months was all that he was king. Uh, And he wasn't a good one either, by the way. Uh, Probably three months too long. But there was Jehoahaz, and he was taken captive to Egypt. Then after Jehoahaz was Jehoiakim. Another name for him in the Bible is Eliakim. And he was king for 11 years. Uh, We'll see a lot of him in this book because Jeremiah preached to him and preached uh, in his day and in his reign. After Jehoiakim was Jehoiachin. Now, Jehoiachin had a couple of other names. One was uh, Jeconiah and one was Coniah. Three names, same guy. He was uh, king in Judah for three months in 10 days, he beat out Jehoahaz by 10 whole days, you know. Uh, he was taken into uh, captivity by the Babylonians. And then the last king of Judah was Zedekiah. He was king for 11 years, and he was the final king, uh, probably the worst, probably the weakest king that Judah ever had. And uh, we'll talk more about him as we get through the book. But as we talk about these kings, and as we see the messages that God has for these kings... I want to remind you that there are lessons that we can learn from all of these folks. You say, well, how do you know that? I know that because God recorded it in the Bible. 
And if God recorded it in the Bible, it's not filler. It's not just fluff. It's not just, you know, God didn't have enough to say and he didn't know, you know, how he was going to fill up a whole book. And I don't, I'm not saying that's sacrilegious. What I'm saying is that's not the way it was. Everything in this book was written and it was given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. And so there are some lessons that we must learn from these men who were the kings. Notice with me verse number one. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah uh, sent unto him Pasher, the son of Melchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Masiah, the priest, saying, Inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for us. Now that sounds spiritual. He says, I want you to check, check with the Lord on this, and I want to see what the Lord has to say about this. But he says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, maketh war against us. If so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all his wondrous works, that he may go up from us. Lord, would you help us as we look at your word? I pray you'd bless our children's ministries tonight. I pray that you'd bless our church family. I pray for those on our prayer list. I pray for those who are listening tonight, watching tonight, and Lord, for those that are in this auditorium. I pray that you'd help us to recognize that your word was written, and it was written for our example. It was written for our benefit, and I pray that we would not miss these truths tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These first two verses, King Zedekiah has sent two men to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to talk to the Lord and I want you to ask the Lord what's going to happen because Nebuchadnezzar was making war. He was preparing to attack Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the greatest empire at the time. It was Babylon. Babylon had already defeated Assyria. They had already defeated Egypt. They were the world power. And Zedekiah says, I want to know what's going to happen. And Zedekiah was not interested in finding out what God wanted him to know. He was just interested in finding out what he wanted to know. He was treating God like a fortune teller. Can I tell you, you don't have to know the future. And I don't have to know the future we just have to know the one who knows the future. And God's got it all under control. And by the way, God knew the future. And Jeremiah answered Zedekiah and said, yeah, actually, Nebuchadnezzar is coming. And yeah, actually, you are going into captivity. And yes, you are going to be destroyed. And he gave him some warnings. King Zedekiah, verse number three, uh, the, excuse me, verse number uh, two. I pray thee uh, uh, of the Lord for us. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, maketh war against us. If so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all his wondrous works that he may go up from us. Now, I want to give you just a couple of thoughts. I won't get through all of these tonight. I won't even try. But number one, I want to say this. King Zedekiah was guilty of something that many times we are guilty of. What Zedekiah was doing was he was not living for God. He was not doing what God wanted him to do. He was not interested in listening to God, but he expected God's blessing anyway. You know what? That is United States of America Christianity in 2020, if I've ever heard it. That's what we expect. We just think God's got to bless us. And by the way, God is good. 
And God is gracious and God is merciful. But I want to remind you, God is also just and God is also holy. And for us to expect that God would bless us when we live in defiance of his word. I want to tell you, I don't know who you're trying to fool. I don't know who I'm trying to fool, but it doesn't work that way. And God blesses, but God will not and God cannot bless someone who does not live according to his word. Now, sometimes we mistake God's blessing with God's mercy and God's long suffering and God's graciousness to us. But can I tell you, God is good, but God does not have to bless us when we live contrary to his word. Zedekiah had taken God's blessings for granted. Number one, don't take the blessing of God for granted. If you want the blessing of God, and I hope you do, uh, uh, my dad uh, used to always quote that verse, Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. You ought to want the blessing of God more than you want a job, more than you want a, 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 an income, more than you want a house, more than you want a car, more than you want a retirement. You ought to want and desire the blessing of God more than anything in this world. Because if you've got the blessing of God, God's going to take care of all the rest. But the blessing of God comes on a life. The blessing of God comes on a family. And the blessing of God comes on a church that strives to be obedient to Him. I didn't say you get saved if you obey. I said the blessing of God, the favor of God, uh, God's anointing and God's presence comes to those who strive to walk with Him and please Him. Verses 4 and 5 God told Zedekiah through Jeremiah, he said, I will fight against you. You see, Zedekiah was worried about Babylon. He was worried about their weapons and he was worried about their battle plan. But that was the least of Zedekiah's worries. Because God said, verse 5, I myself will fight against you with an outstretched arm and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. Can I tell you, that's not what you want God saying to you. You don't want God saying, hey, I am fighting against you. You got enough on your plate and I've got enough on my plate fighting against the world, the flesh and the devil. You don't need the judgment of God. You don't need God having to say, I will punish you for your sin. Can I tell you, Zedekiah had brought the wrath of God upon him. Verse 6, I will smite the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. That pestilence there that is talking about, it's literally, it's a, it's a terrible, an awful plague. And God said, I am judging you. And then he said, when I get done judging you, he said, then you've got Nebuchadnezzar coming. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number uh, 7, and afterwards saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants and the people, and such as are left in this city from the pestilence, from the sword, and from the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those that seek their life, and he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, neither have pity, nor have mercy. I want to draw your attention back up to verse number seven, though. You notice the wording here, and by the way, the wording is not an accident either. 
God said that he was going to judge King Zedekiah. This is the king of Judah, the king of God's people. And he said, I'm going to judge you. And he said, I am going to deliver you into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Now think about this. That means that Zedekiah was under the control and within the possession of God. You see, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't touch Zedekiah unless God allowed it, right? God said, I will deliver you. You see, if, if I've got, uh, I have my wallet on me. If I got $100, you know, and uh, maybe I'll just borrow $100 from Brother Dan. That's pocket change. But if I had $100 and I had that $100 and it was sitting up here and somebody came and they snatched that away and, oh, man, they got it and it was out of my control. But if I had that in my pocket and I went and I handed that to someone, I am delivering that. I am handing it over. I am making the choice. And Nebuchadnezzar couldn't touch Zedekiah except for the fact that God allowed it. Aren't you glad that God's in control? Aren't you glad the enemy cannot touch you unless God says it's okay? Remember the story of Job? Job could not be touched by Satan because there was a hedge that was built around him. Satan had no shot at Job until God allowed it. I'm glad to know that God's in control. I'm just, I'm thankful for that fact. And it's evident just in one little verse. Uh, God said, I will deliver thee. And God did deliver Zedekiah. Number one, don't take God's blessings for granted. But number two, quickly, I want to say this. Sin always brings captivity. You know what Judah is experiencing here? They're experiencing the result of sin. Sin always has consequences. Now, those consequences don't always come immediately. Those consequences don't always come at an instant. But those consequences come and be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. You see, sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. The wages of sin is death. And sin always brings captivity. God's people were going into captivity, not because God could not protect them, not because God was not able. Oh, God was able, but they were going into captivity because of their sin. We'll look at that here in a moment. I want you to notice verse number eight. It's an interesting verse. Jeremiah tells the king, King Zedekiah, he says, you've got a choice to make. Interesting. He says in verse 8, And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He that abideth in this city shall die by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth out and falleth to the Chaldeans or surrenders or gives up, he uh, shall live and his life shall be unto him for a prey. Isn't that interesting? That would go against human reasoning. You would think, oh no, the only way we're going to survive is we got to fight. And the only way we're going to make it is we're going to defend ourselves and we're going to protect ourselves and we're not giving up. But that wasn't, that wasn't God's plan. God said, if you want to live, if you want your life to be spared, then you got to surrender. 
because the Babylonians were coming. This was preordained by God that they would have to go into captivity because of their sin. And so what, what God is saying, he says, hey, if you want to fight and lose your life, that's up to you. But I'm giving you a choice. And the choice is you can surrender and live or you can fight and die. Now, here's the application. Did you know in the Christian life, the only way to victory is through surrender. That's the only way you're going to be victorious in the Christian life is to surrender to who? To God. That's the only way. You're not going to be, you're not going to be victorious if you're fighting against God. You're not going to be victorious and I won't be victorious doing my own thing. I'm going to do it my way. No, you're not going to win. Do you think that you as the creature are going to be able to fight against the creator of the universe and you think you're going to win? Friend, I got news for you. That ain't happening. The way to victory is through surrender. It's one of the paradoxes in the Christian life. Like this, the way to be exalted, God says, is to do what? You humble yourself. Uh, the, way to, uh, the way to live is to die. The way to victory is through surrender. And God gives these people a choice. He said, I set before you the way of life and the way of death, and it is your choice. I hope we don't have in our church, I hope we don't have people that are fighting against God. Now, I'm not talking about obvious, you know, the, the obvious. I hope it's not drugs and alcohol and immorality and, and, and wickedness. I hope and pray it's not that. But I'm even talking about just your will. There, there are some Christians that they, they just can't surrender their will to God. There are some Christians that just can't say yes. There are some Christians that just can't get over the hump because they've got it all planned out how their life is going to be according to what they think. I'll tell you this. It was a uh, um, Sunday we mentioned the Bybees four years ago that they came to town. That also uh, is uh, Savannah's spiritual birthday. She got saved two years ago on June 21st. And June 21st is also the date that I surrendered my life to be a preacher. Now, I was 15 years old, and I just I knew God had been speaking to me, and I knew God had been working on my heart. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is you got to say yes. And you say, well, I'm sure you just knew all along that you'd be a preacher. I didn't know that. As a matter of fact, at the time I surrendered to preach, my dad was not yet a pastor. He was a Christian school teacher and a Sunday school teacher and all that. And I thought God was doing something in my heart. But, but I said yes. I'll, I'll guarantee you, when I said yes to be a preacher, I had no idea under the sun that someday... I would be standing in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, as the pastor of Victory Baptist Church. You say, well, how, how do you know that that wasn't even on your mind? I'd never heard of Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. As a matter of fact, I grew up in Illinois, went to Bible college, uh, 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 called to preach when I was 15, went to Bible college when I was 18 in California. But you see, even the trend, it was like going west, you know? And then, uh, I guess it started off kind of north and then kind of west and then... Isn't that amazing when you surrender? God gives you the victory and he brings you to the Holy Land. Brings you to North Carolina. 
I'm telling, I don't know if you, I don't know if you connected all those dots there, but that's the way to victory right there is you just surrender. But I'm glad I said yes to God. I had no idea. I had no idea what God wanted to do with my, I had no idea. And can I tell you many times you don't have any idea either until you just say yes. And when you say yes, what you're doing is you're moving out of the driver's seat and you're getting in the passenger seat and you're saying, God, my life is in your hands. My life is in your control and I'm gonna trust you wherever you lead. Whatever you wanna do, it's up to you. That is surrender and there's victory in surrender. Notice verse number 12. It says in verse 11, and touching the house of the king of Judah, here's the message here still for the king of Judah saying, hear ye the word of the Lord. Verse 12, O house of David, thus saith the Lord, execute judgment. That is to do what is right, to do what is just. Execute judgment in the morning and deliver him that is spoiled. And that's not talking about a spoiled child. It's talking about somebody who has been wronged. It's talking about somebody who has been harmed, somebody that's been hurt. And, and him that is spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go out like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Verse 13, God says, I am against thee. O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, saith the Lord, which say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter into our habitations? Uh, the, the kings kind of let the power go to their head. They thought, hey, we're in charge. No, and by the way, there, there weren't checks and balances with the kings. It was what they said, that's the way it was. And they got to feeling like nobody's gonna tell us what to do. Nobody's going to stop us. Nobody's going to make us do what, uh, what we don't want to do. But God said, I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings. Saith the Lord, I will kindle a fire in the forest thereof, and it shall devour all things round about it. Here's what mattered to God. And by the way, here's what still matters to God. And that is that we do what is right. Uh, was it Bob Jones Sr.? that was famous for that, that saying, that quote. He said, do right till the stars fall. Just do what's right. And, and we live in a society where nobody wants to be told what to do. And nobody wants to be accountable to anybody. But I got news for you. It still matters to God that we do what is right. Whether you're the king like King Zedekiah, or whether you are uh, uh, the, uh, the manager, or whether you're the CEO, or whether you're the pastor, or whether you're the supervisor, doesn't matter who you are, God commands us to do what is right. And that is what mattered to God. And because they would not, God said, I'm against you. I will punish you because there was no care. There was no concern for those who were oppressed, those who had been wronged. There was no uh, working to fix the wrongs and to make them right. Notice chapter 22 goes with the same theme. Verse number one, thus saith the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak this word. Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, that sittest upon the throne of David, thou and thy servants and thy people that enter in by these gates. Thus saith the Lord, execute judgment and what's the next word? righteousness. There it is again. Just do what's right. Even though you're the king, you got to do what's right and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. Now here it is. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, 
nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. Now, here's, here's the message here. Here's the, the truth here in chapter 22. Is these leaders had gotten to the point where they were neglecting the helpless. They were abandoning those who were strangers, those who were not from Israel, those who didn't have anything to offer, those who were not uh, wealthy, those who were not talented, those who would have seemed like the outcasts of society. The king said, we got no time for them because if they don't scratch my back, I'm not scratching theirs. If they can't return the favor to me, I'm not doing them any favors. The stranger, then it says the fatherless. Well, what was true of the fatherless, especially in Bible times? They were just trying to find enough food to survive. They were just trying to find a place to live. They were, they were the poor of society and the widows. And these kings were not doing what was right by these people. Then it says they were uh, in, uh, guilty of shedding innocent blood. And God says, I got a problem with that. That is not what a king, that is not what a leader should be doing. A leader of all people ought to be kind to these people. And you see, you say, well, well, well what happens if I am kind to someone who's not kind to me in return? Well, I'll tell you what happens. God takes care of that. And God promises he will bless you. And God promises, you don't have to worry about them repaying you. God says, I will repay you. And these kings were neglecting the poor and neglecting those who were down and out and neglecting those who had been oppressed. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Notice verse number four. If you do this indeed, then shall there enter in by the gates of this house kings sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and horses, he and his servants and his people. But if you will not hear these words, God said, I swear by myself that this house shall become a desolation. God said, if you will honor these people, you're going to be able to sit on the throne, you and your sons and the people after you. But if you don't, God says, I will settle the score. Number four, I want to say this. God wants his people to be kind. See, that's, that's part of being a Christian is to be kind. Now, again, this world's not kind. We take it a step further. The news, whether it's conservative or liberal, the news many times is not kind. A talk radio, in most cases, is not kind. Make some of you mad on this one. Although I am thankful for our president, I'm thankful for the stand he has taken on religious liberties. I'm thankful for the stand he has taken in favor of life and the stand against abortion. And I'm thankful for much of what he is doing in our country to restore law and order. But I'll tell you this, our president many times is not kind. 
And if we're not careful as Christians, we'll look at that and say, well, that's the way it ought to be because the president said it. Well, that's funny because the last time I checked, the president isn't the one we're looking to for an example. It's Jesus. And I'm glad Jesus was kind to me. And I'm glad Jesus was kind to you when you didn't deserve it. And can I tell you, as Christians, we ought to be the kindest people on the planet. Uh, our words ought to be kind. Our actions ought to be kind. We ought to look for people and say, you know, that person can probably never do anything in return for me. But that's the person I want to be kind to. That is what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He, he, he met the needs of those who were sick and those that were poor and those that were blind and those that were lame. And God is looking for his people, of all people, to be kind. Notice with me in verse number eight and verse nine, I'll, I'll read these and we'll stop here. It says, and many nations shall pass by this city and they shall say every man to his neighbor, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this great city? The day is going to come where people are going to go by Jerusalem and they're going to say, what happened here? This great city is now in ruin and this great city has been burned to the ground and this great city, the, the city of God, Jerusalem, is destroyed. Jeremiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's the answer. They'll ask that in verse 8. In the answer, verse 9, then shall they answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. Simple. You know why Jerusalem was destroyed? Because they got away from God. And you know how lives are destroyed and homes are destroyed and churches are destroyed? It's pretty simple. When you get away from God, when you remove God's blessing, when you remove God's favor from your church, your ministry, your family, your marriage, when you do that, it's no wonder. When people come by and they say, what happened? What, 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 what's the reason? Why is this destroyed? And the answer, if we were honest, would be because we got away from God. May God help us to stay close to Him. Number five, God judges his people when they forsake him. But God blesses his people when they seek him. And I'm so glad we have the scriptures for our example. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad this isn't guesswork? We're not trying to figure it out as we go. God gave us a manual for living. He gave us the Bible. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.